We are citizens of an American nation, and our rights are being threatened by a tyrant 3,000 miles away. Would you tell me, please, Mr. Howard, why should I trade one tyrant 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants one mile away? <laughs> An elected legislature can trample a man's rights as easily as a king can. I know what some people are thinking when I play a clip like that. They're, they're probably thinking, dude, it's a movie. It's a fictional movie. And you're right. But that doesn't mean that you can't take merit out of something that was that somebody had to think of and write. It was written down on paper. For this character. But when somebody says, you know, oh, it's democracy, it's what the people want. I've always been wary of that. I've always been wary of that. I've always been wary of the mob and the mob rule. When you think of the word democracy, do you think of... Do you really think of the the horde of angry people voting for something vindictive or or something wrong? Or do you think of a giant line of citizens standing outside of a polling place, you know, taking their, their, their right to vote for what kind of government they want? Most people probably see the latter one. But when people say the word democracy and they say it's so cheery and so championing and and so like it's so important and so quintessential to life. I think more in the terms of Benjamin Martin from The Patriot standing up saying, "Why should I trade one tyrant 3000 miles away for 3000 tyrants 1 mile away?" Because an elected legislature can trample somebody's rights as easily as the king could. As easily as a dictator could. And they have. Oh, boy have they. It's not that hard to look at what the government does today. And whether or not it's constitutional or not, and whether or not they actually care if it's constitutional or not. Why are we constantly having debates over what we put in the Constitution, I mean, granted, we didn't put it there. Our forefathers did. Uh, some of the narratives that you that you hear when people talk about it are, oh, it was a bunch of rich white men, and it needs to be updated. Possibly, I don't know, I don't know. But there's some quintessential truths that are framed within that paperwork. Some quintessential truths. Some things that are absolutely undebatable, but have become supremely debatable. Supremely debatable. First Amendment right seems pretty cut, dried, and clear, like there would not have to be any debate over, the, over it, but there is. There absolutely is. And the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment, if we're, if we're talking about originalism or textualism, but look at the... Insane amount of debate over that today. People debate over the intent of the Second Amendment. You, there's people who truly debate and 
take the side of the Second Amendment being about hunting, which is not what it's about at all. In the slightest, it's not about hunting. These are some things to to keep in mind while we move forward and talk about the topics that highlighted this this past week, uh, this past week worth of, of news highlights. And two of the biggest news stories in the past week have encompassed uh, news media personalities and, and news media because you know Trump drives this this what the news spins as a war on the media because you know what does Trump do? He gets up and he talks about fake news, fake news, fake news, and not answering questions from CNN specifically. And moreover, how he constantly does it and the, and the rhetoric that he uses behind it, uh, you know. So Jim Acosta. Uh, Jim Acosta is all broken up over over the situation. He can't uh, he can't even right now. I'm up here to this podium on a, on a regular basis and continue to tell the American people, you know, provable falsehoods, uh, lies, uh, and so on. And unfortunately, you know, our job as journalists, as you know, Brooke, is we have to call that stuff out. We have to fact check them. We're fact checkers in real time uh, dealing with this president because he tells falsehoods and lies so much. Uh, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate the position that we're all in right now. Uh, and, and I'm standing in this briefing room right now. There is no government official here. But I'll say uh, that the press is not the enemy of the people. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, maybe we should uh, make some bumper stickers, uh, make some buttons. Uh, you know, maybe we should go out on Pennsylvania Avenue uh, like these folks who chant CNN sucks and uh, fake news. Maybe we should go out, all, all journalists should go out on Pennsylvania Avenue and chant, we're not the enemy of the people. Because uh, I, I'm tired of this. Honestly, Brooke, I'm tired of this. Um, it's, it is not right. Now, granted, granted, uh, I don't believe the press is, is per se, quote unquote, the enemy of the American people. However, uh, I always am skeptical of press. I'm always skeptical of news, and I don't like anybody taking on an attitude of that, you know, oh, the news agencies are so filled with integrity, and their job is to be kind of like Acosta just alleged there, oh, we're the real-time fact-checkers, you know? No, you're not. You're not the real-time fact-checkers. You guys report things, and there's news agencies all around that uh, try to put a spin on things. And so much to the degree that you can go online and see people arguing over which news slants which way and how badly. Because that's factual. I mean, that, that much is facts. And we know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that, you know, oh... You, you go on uh, Breitbart.com. That is a far-right website. Well, you go on Mother Jones, which is completely the opposite spectrum crazy. It's what we do. And Jim, Jim Acosta, I believe, is tired of just, you know, getting flack thrown at him for being at events because crowds will... Chance CNN sucks, and it riles him up because he works for CNN, and, you know, but to me, it seems as though Jim Acosta is pointing the spotlight at him, at himself. Give me attention. 
give me attention because I feel bad and I feel like we should make bumper stickers and go protest in the front lawn and, and say we're not the enemy of the American people and all that. I mean, come on. All right, this isn't an actual war that y'all are fighting. Um, it's Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump, where most sane-minded people look at him and go, God, sometimes, like, some people are loving it. Some people are loving the chaos that comes with it, including, for instance, I got a buddy at work who isn't exactly what you would call a righty. I wouldn't say he's a progressive lefty either, but he... He's loving the Trump chaos just because he believes that there's no fixing anything anyway and that it's all going to burn to the ground. And he's just in it for the ride. (laughs) That's his stance. My stance is that I don't care if you're CNN, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, Fox. I don't care who you are. I might watch you report a news story or whatever, but I'm not going to take... Whatever you've reported at face value, I'm not going to listen to your talking heads and your pundits and your spins and all that jazz. I'm not going to go on to the New York Times and read what they want me to think about something. Uh, this goes back to, what, two episodes ago? You know, do your research. Do your research. Uh, you know, um, sorry, Jim, but uh, CNN isn't the end-all, be-all. Uh, get all the facts here on CNN.com. Or on CNN, the streaming app. It's not. And it it shouldn't, I mean, it sucks that we live in a world that uh, people just aren't out and out, upright, upfront, truthful, and not spinning things, and slanting things to certain ways. But that's the way that life is. And the only way that we can combat that is by admitting that Maybe news media isn't the enemy of the American people, but it's certainly not the friend of the American people either. Certainly not. Certainly not in the not in the stance that I trust any source, any one source to give me the actual information. Because the discussions that I'm finding are far more fruitful aren't coming from media outlets. It's coming from information in exchange of the internet. That's where I'm finding a lot of truth to be spoken. That's where I'm finding a lot of the partisanship being stripped away. There's there's lots of people like me who are frustrated with this world of left versus right politics. Which, I mean, you know, sadly, no matter how many people I meet and seem to believe that maybe we're getting close to shattering those barriers that are in place and shattering those perceptions that are in place, it seems to me that it is very, very hard to fight against it just being left versus right. Because news media, for example, will boil it back down to trying to make it so black and white and cut and dried and crystal clear, and it's just not... That's not how life works. It's not... It's not how it works in this sense. News the the enemy of the American people. Well, how about the other big story that's been going on is 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 the New York Times just hired a new editorial writer or a, a new editorial head. And this has been blowing up Twitter uh like hotcakes for the past uh let's say day, day and a half maybe. 
Uh, New York Times uh, added to their editorial board Sarah Jung, uh, uh, an Asian-American woman who uh, is a tech writer uh, online, and uh, she got flack for uh, some anonymous Twitter person digging up screenshots of tweets that she's made in the past. Uh, that included some of the following, quote, Oh, man, it's kind of sick how I how much joy I get out of being cruel to old white men. Uh, quote, White people marking up the Internet with their opinions like dogs pissing on fire hydrants. Uh, hashtag cancel white people. It's another one. Um, not that, that, that doesn't cover up on, the, on, on other work that she's done, but this is the pattern. This is the pattern of life that we're in right now. It's oh, somebody tweeted something online, and they're facing repercussions because somebody dug up the tweets, and now you know their their livelihood is is under threat for something that they tweeted. And this is this big debate thing now. Apparently, she tweeted out some statement um, on the whole issue. I can't read it because I'm apparently blocked by Sarah Jung on Twitter. Never interacted with her before, uh, ever. Uh, never read a tweet, never talked about her. Uh, the only thing I did was poke fun at the New York Times editorial board in my in a tweet of my own because they screenshot. I don't I don't understand this. News agencies write up statements in like Word docs and then they screenshot it from the computer. And the New York Times had the cursor in one of the words. So it was still there. So people were poking fun at it. So I screenshotted a tweet saying that it's weird that news agencies screenshot statements that they're typing up uh, just to poke fun at that. So I, I don't know. Maybe she saw that and I pissed her off. Maybe she just put something in that blocks people that, uh, I don't know, don't conform to you know the majority of people on Twitter or, or left-right politics or something. I don't know. I don't know. Uh are her tweets off-putting to me? Are they offensive to me? I just think that they're dumb. Um, I just think that they're stupid. And uh, apparently she said, it says she's written a, a book about online harassment as well, which, I mean, if you, if you wrote a book on online harassment, but yet here you are posting all this stuff and it's not a big deal because oh, it's only towards white people or something. I mean, I think that's kind of dumb. Um but what I really think this this boils down to, it's it, it. This shouldn't be a left versus right thing. This shouldn't be. We should have a standard. We 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 all should just step back, realize that we're living in 2018, uh, that we're all individuals, that we're all unique, that we're all different, and maybe we should just stop being assholes to each other. I mean, really, at the end of the day, can we just stop being assholes to people over anything regarding? Anything other than personal interactions you've had with personal individuals. That'd be great. It'd be great if, uh, instead of tweeting about, oh man, I like riling up old white people or something. You know, white or black or Asian or whatever. Like, it just, you know, let's not be assholes to each other. Uh, that could be, that could be a big breakthrough step that we all could take. Just not being assholes to each other, unless that person's being an asshole to you. That person, don't do it at a group of people, don't do it at a demographic of people, don't do it towards anything other than just, was that person a dick to you, yes or no? Uh, I try every day to not be a dick to people, because 
why I don't want people to be a dick to me. I just, you know, let's have some friendly interaction. If we can't do that, then let's just not talk to each other at the end of the day. Uh, but it, it always becomes this big online controversial get them fired campaign. And, I mean, you know, I don't care who started it. There's the, the, That's the other thing. The arguments will go to... Who started this anyway? Didn't the left start this? Didn't the right start this? Wasn't it this guy? Wasn't it that guy? You know, did James Gunn have to get fired from Guardians of the Galaxy three for stupid jokes he was tweeting? You know, a a, a while ago. Uh, I think we can get pretty extensive debating about that because a lot of factors go into play. Now, mind you, the New York Times is standing behind her. They put out a statement. Granted, I, I made fun of that statement. Um, not for the statement itself, just for the presentation of it. And their statement reads as follows, quote, We hired Sarah Jung because of the exceptional work she has done covering the internet and technology at a range of respected publications. Her journalism and the fact that she is a young Asian woman have made her a subject of frequent online harassment. For a period of time, she responded to that harassment by imitating the rhetoric of her harassers. She sees now that this approach only served to feed the vitriol that we too often see on social media. She regrets it, and the Times does not condone it. We had candid conversations with Sarah as part of our thorough vetting process, which included a review of her social media history. She understands that this type of rhetoric is not acceptable at the Times, and we are confident that she will be an important voice for the editorial board moving forward. Mind you, the editorial board is people spouting out their opinions, um, which is an important thing defended by the First Amendment, um, honestly. But needless to say, I haven't dug in. Like, I can't see Sarah Jung's Twitter timeline right now. I, so I can't—I'm not going to comment on something that I can't personally see. And I don't know that she personally blocked me. Or not. Uh, it's not like I'm a big dude. I only have 1,479 followers. Alright? My, and my, my outreach is not that big. I'm not a big man on the scale of talking about these things. So I don't know how that crap works out. Um, and mind you, me personally, I've only blocked like two people on Twitter. One of which was a troll. The other one which I unblocked. Um shortly after I blocked them because I realized I blocked them because of a, of a petty difference of opinion on something and I got offended too quick and I removed myself from that situation so I mean you know there's that aspect of it too but this still goes back to can we just not be douchebags to each other can we just not be douchebags to each other Does, do, do we have to be a dick starting a campaign right now hashtag don't be a dick don't be a dick. Really easy. Really easy. You interact with human peoples without having some kind of prejudice or bias against them for their race or their sexual orientation or their or their anything. Just be kind to people. But that, that's really hard for human beings to do. Really hard. Uh... Before cutting out, too, there was actually a big victory last night uh, for the Liberty Movement. There was a big victory 
in Knoxville County, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, the new mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. What the? Oh my God! Strowman on the distraction, and he, he can't be here. Is he here? Oh my God! It's the big red machine. Kane is here. Kane came from out of the ring. What the hell is Kane doing here? Rage can't believe it. Kane catching Roman. Choke slam. Big old choke slam of liberty and freedom. WWE former superstar Kane, aka Glenn Jacobs, ran for mayor of Knoxville County, Tennessee, on a libertarian platform with the Re- with the Republican Party. Yes, but a libertarian platform, and now he is mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Big victory for liberty lovers across the world right now. Well, across the United States, at least, anyway. Uh, I take it as a big victory because of uh, the platform that he was running on. Uh, small victories will build to big victories with, with the liberty movement, and it's why I pay attention to people like Kane. I'm paying attention to people like uh, Larry Sharp up in New York running for uh, running for governor and hell it's it's why i'm following people like gene truono of uh he right here in delaware running for uh u.s senate uh because libertarians want to win the presidency up front and we're going to make a greater impact on smaller local levels there's a libertarian here in delaware uh, in, in ellesmere that uh that won his election uh just this past election cycle uh, right here in my own backyard. And these small victories are going to build up and help build up a reputation and really legitimize this movement of wanting to be more pro-liberty and pro-smaller limited government. But here's Kane's victory speech that's going to play us out. Uh, guys, thanks for listening this week. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at FritzQS, uh, facebook.com slash thefritzcast, uh, also, I posted up a video on Twitter. Videos are going to become more of a little thing, little video snippets popping up here and there. Uh, my blog, fritzcast.wordpress.com, has been dry for a while. I have not written, um, but I am getting ready to piece together my thoughts on, on something right now. I don't want to reveal what just yet, but um, probably within the next week or two, I'll be getting back into the swing of posting up blogs and writing things out. And uh, and always, you can reach me at fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. Two groups I want you to follow, too, while I'm thinking about it. 71 Republic, at 71 Republic. I contribute to them occasionally. Uh, again, been dry recently, um, just because of hectic work schedules and a couple other things, too. Writer's block, uh, my vacation popped in there and uh, definitely ruffled some feathers in me. Uh, with with everything political and, and everything going on. Uh, 71 Republic is a great group of guys. And then uh, the, the guys that I really, really thoroughly enjoy getting to know and, and working with right now, Sarcasm and Liberty. You can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, they do live streams at least once every week with Google Hangouts. I can't join them usually because of my work schedule, but uh, 
The guys at Sarcasm and Liberty are great guys. Give them a follow. Here's Kane's victory speech to play us out. See you guys next week. Buddy just reminded me we talked about having a cage match and we never did that. Thanks every there's still time. <laughs> well thanks everybody everybody for being here. Um, I'd also like to thank my opponents in the primary, Bob Thomas and Brad Anders, for running great races and clean races. I'd like to thank my family, especially my wife Crystal, who is right there. Um, come on up, yeah. She, she keeps on going, I'm gonna leave, come on up. This is gonna embarrass her, but it's great. Uh, yeah, are, are, the kids, are the kids up in the room? The kids are downstairs. Blame it on Buddy. He's always getting me in trouble. I'd also, I'd also like to thank my Democratic opponent, Linda Haney. We all know that a Democrat is going to have a struggle in a countywide race in Knox County, but she did step up to the plate and she put forth a good effort. And I think that is admirable. Democracy works when everyone has a voice and we can hear everyone's ideas. So thank her for running. That doesn't mean that I agree with Democrat ideas by any stretch of imagination. In fact, tonight we can celebrate, but going forward, all of us have to work together because we have some very important races that we must win. We will have a congressional race that is contested. We will have a governor's race that will be hotly contested. And we have a Senate race which will be hotly contested. As Republicans, we have to work even harder to ensure that the Democrats never get control of Tennessee or the federal seats in Tennessee. And I promise that I will lead the charge to support our candidates and to ensure that they win in November. You know, throughout my race, I heard a lot of talk about the Republican supermajority in the state of Tennessee and the fact that the blue wave, which the media keeps talking about, was going to crash into the big red wall in Tennessee. It will this year. Probably will in the next election cycle and it probably will the following. But if you look at the demographics, they're not really on our side. What happens if that big red wall is ever breached? If it is, our state and our country will fundamentally change and we can never, ever let that happen. The Republican Party must remain a bulwark against European democratic socialism, which unfortunately the Democratic Party has become. 
In order to do that, we have to grow our party. And we have to grow it among young people and among minorities. We have to become more inclusive. But what I mean by that is we do not abandon our ideas. We need to stand even more firm. The Republican Party stands for individual liberty, free markets. It's the party of growth. It's the party of economic opportunity. Those are things that benefit everyone. That's how we need to grow this party, is by ensuring that those are the ideas that we are spreading. Someone like me, I think, is uniquely positioned to help in that respect. One of my goals as Knox County Mayor is to work with the State Republican Party and to grow our party across the state of Tennessee, especially among people who traditionally were not considered Republicans. And if we do that, that big red wall will stand firm forever. Thank you all so much. And now let's have a good time.